When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, welcome in. It's Monday, and... It's Monday, February 17th. It's raining here in Austin, Texas, and it is the 24th anniversary of when Gary Kasparov deep beat the Deep Blue supercomputer. In... In chess. Nobody knows that it's sorry, chess. It's, nobody, I'm sorry. Nobody Grandmaster. Knows, nobody knows that it's a chess reference until you specify that it's a chess reference. Um, yeah, Nomad was just... We were just, you know, talking about chess. We were talking about Gary Kasparov. <laughs> Apparently our archery team is going to hell in a handbasket, so... A lot, a lot of interesting prep work goes into these Monday FRLs. But we had a good weekend of wrestling. We'll get to Division One results soon, but we had some really interesting freestyle results uh, in the lead-up to the Olympic year that I think are worth talking about. Um, Nomad, you wrote up uh, a release. We had our Pan Am qualifier mm-hmm. team announced. So give everybody a quick recap. What weights do we still need to qualify, and who are we sending to try to get that done? Yeah, so in... Uh, the, the Olympic qualifier is in a few weeks for uh, Pan American. Each continental gets their own, so this will only be Pan American countries, Mexico, Canada, the South American countries. Um, and the United States still has to qualify 14 weights. That's four in men's freestyle, four in women's freestyle, and six in Greco-Roman. And I wrote an article, I believe, after the Matteo Pelicone, kind of going over what the team could look like and what the team could look like based on the criteria that was released by USA Wrestling. And there were no surprises. There, there, everyone who was the, the first option made the team. So um, I don't know if, if we want to get into to all three styles, but uh, in, in Greco, they ended up going with the six world team members from last year at those Olympic weights. Yep. In women's freestyle, they went with the three winners of the Pan Am WrestleOff that was held in conjunction with WCWAs, which we talked about, I believe, last, last Monday. Week. Yeah, yep. last Monday. Uh, and then Kayla Miracle as well. There was no WrestleOff contested 62. And then in... Men's freestyle, they also went with the returning world team members at the weight. So Dayton Fix at 57 kilos, Zayn Rutherford at 65, David, uh, excuse me, Nick Wiesdowski at 125. The one where they didn't go with the returning world team member was David Taylor at 86 kilos because the first criteria on men's freestyle was a 2017 or 2018 world champ. Yeah. Which was oddly specific, but also 
kind of makes sense. Like, if you're going to put a team out there, you want the team with the highest likelihood of qualifying the weight. Yeah. And so, however you feel about David Taylor, however you feel about Pat Downey, um, inarguably, Taylor's results at the 2018 World Championships were better than Downey's at the 2019 World Championships. So the only, you know, potential shakeup is at 57 kilos, right, where Dayton Fix is the rep, but, or, or was, you know, chosen to be the rep as the world team member last year, but uh, sounds like Thomas Gilbert may be going instead. What do we, what do we know about that situation? This is, so this is something that's kind of floating around the rumor mill um, that Gilman, Gilman could be the, the selection. Uh, of course, Gilman beat Fix at the Mateo Pelicone in the semifinals. Um, right now, as it currently stands, either of them would be the one seed. Of course, there is still the Pan Am Championships coming up, which uh, will impact the seeding. But that's the only one that, that we've kind of heard any, any rumors of. I, I guess I also – there was some speculation that Zane wasn't going to go, but um, the, the team officially put forth by USA Wrestling as of now is uh, Dayton Fix, Zane Rutherford, David Taylor, Nick Wisdowski. And that goes down March uh, 13th to the 15th. I don't know the order of the three days, um, but it'll be one style per day. So yeah. as of now, that's what we're looking at. I think we'll get everything qualified in men's freestyle. Uh, I think we'll likely we're, we're looking good in women's freestyle. And then, um, you know, Greco is going to be a bit of a challenge to get all six weights. So over the weekend, we had a couple of big freestyle events. Maybe start with Euros. Uh, Spay and I talked quite a bit about the first day of men's freestyle action yeah it was hard because it hadn't been completed yet so you guys are kind of doing a little recap and a little preview yeah so we know a lot more now after euros including um some olympic seating points updates you wrote those up uh what are the big takeaways there before we get into specific results from euros well i would say the the biggest one is um chimizo now the one seed at Mm -hmm. 74 kilos so um, coming in, Shimizu had 40 seeding points as the, the silver medalist from Kazakhstan. And then uh, with, with any uh, ranking series or um, continental championship, you get points. You know, there, there's a static number of points for your placement and then a sliding scale of points based on the number of participants. Shimizu got 22 for winning this, so he bumps ahead of Zarebek Sidikov. Shimizu, your one seed was 62. Sidikov, your two seed was 60. Um, that was the only... That was only number one to change. And, you know, Russia has uh, a wealth of, of talent. Right. And obviously they have insane depth. And so um, Sidikov didn't wrestle in Euros, didn't have to. And Russia still had a finalist at 74 kilos in uh, Gazi Magomedov, which, I mean, he's a world <laughs> champ in his own right. Yes. right? He's, he's amazing. Um, two-time world champ. Two-time world champ. And uh, Ivan Freestyle on Twitter quoted <laughs> – Frank Chimizo as saying, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read the quote here. He said, "Sidikov is a cool guy. Cool guy. Great to start. <laughs> great to Real, start that way. Just chill, bro. He's a cool guy, and he's training good. But I think Gazi Magomedov better than him. Sidikov and I wrestled in 2018. My training was about 50%. I didn't perform. Also in 2019, my knee ankle, my knee and ankle weren't good. Right now, I'm good." But where is Sidikov? He asked the question. So, so Chimizo, who who did I, I would say beat um, Gazi Magomedov relatively convincingly, although no. Gazi Gazi well by the end of the match it was it, you know Chimizo was was I think the better of the two guys. It was it didn't come down to you know a last second. Chimizo was trailing, and then I mean, he was losing. Sure, um, but you could you could argue that the the takedown by Gazi was a four. 
Yeah. You, you could, could. Uh, you mean Gazzy was and now. Also, if Gazzy doesn't take that shot, then Chimizo, Chimizo's probably not going to score. Yeah, G- um, Gazzy was in on shots. With, getting into Chimizo's leg is not terribly important. But he finished on him, so mm-hmm. okay. I don't know. Okay, but regardless, Chimizo did get the win over over Gazzy Magomedov. And, uh, and he says, he makes the argument that Gazzy's a better wrestler than Sitikov. What do you think about that? I think I, I love first I'm like maybe the biggest Gazi Magomedo fan is in America. However, I think that's kind of ridiculous. Outside of Sajalayev and maybe Peak Romanov, I don't know that I've ever been more scared of a, a Russian than Sitikov. Not in terms of like he's gonna hurt our guys yeah. or like be dirty, just in terms of his ability to win matches. Yeah. I don't think again, outside of Sajalayev, there's anyone like him on Russia's team right now. I mean, there's yeah. I think I think there are two, kind of two ways to think about Chimizo's statement. One is who's the better kind of technical, tactical wrestler, um, and I think that's really hard to measure. It's 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 and, and Gazzy has. It's not unusual to for a guy like if you wrestled you know a, a series of guys and I said okay power rank them like who was the toughest match for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, but. But the, but the, yeah, you're right. The thing is, Sitikov, he has gotten those wins, right? And he's gotten mm-hmm. them when they matter. And uh, I, I remember seeing Sitikov at the the Euro Games last year, and he like he was in matches with guys that seemed. Oh yeah, we got an argument yeah. about this. I, he was he was in matches with guys that were rung, a rung below him in my opinion, and and he I mean like it felt like should have lost was losing without much time left. Um, but he just has what it takes to get it done. And there's something about his, his ability to just kind of dig deep and, and perform in those clutch moments that maybe he, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he's as, as technical a wrestler as Gazzy. I don't know if he's as, as skilled at certain positions, but, maybe not, but his results speak for themselves and his ability to execute when the chips are down, when it's all on the line is, is really, um, it's really remarkable. It's really like Burroughs. Yeah. Right. Which is why their matches are so, so compelling. And it's a little gamesmanship too by Chimizo, right? Because, so right now on the site, I believe the number, number two or three thing on the site that we just ran is uh, a, we, we, we had a guy go over to Dagestan and, and did this whole thing with Magomed Kurbanaliyev. <clears throat> Kurbanaliyev, a past world champ, past world bronze medalist, never made an Olympic team, but you know it kind of ends with the coach saying he yeah. doesn't have a realistic chance of making the team because they're going to give it to Sitikov. Yeah. And it's been, you know, it's been said that um, Sitikov is going to get released from Russian nationals and not, not have to, to fight for the spot. And Gazi has said on social media, I believe he, he made a strong, long Instagram post where he said it, it, it wasn't disparaging Sitikov. It wasn't even him saying I'm better than Sitikov. It was just him saying, like, look, I won your Egan, yeah. and I'm going to win Euros, or maybe it was after Euros, but like, I deserve a shot at mm-hmm. trying to knock off the world champ. I, I think it's only fair that we wrestle. And if he beats me, he can go. But if I beat him, I should go. Yeah. So I know CP did this whole thing about the process on, on Russia. And, you know, we, we kind of talked about it where every every country should just do their own thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. n- no two countries should have the same process because they're, they're all sorts of different depth and, 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 you know, different concerns there. But I think it. I think they're going to go with Sitikov. But I think Gazi has a point that yeah. Sitikov should have to beat him. I, yeah, I think Gazzy has a point. I do think I would I would be 
I would be happier to see Gazi go than than Sidikov, though, yeah. right? Like so, which which kind of then as as someone recognizing my own bias as an American fan wanting to see a, a weaker American team, I mean, or a weaker Russian team to to be beneficial for America, that that kind of maybe makes me think. Well, probably Sidikov is their is their best threat. I mean, la, you know, last year they had those somewhat closed door wrestle offs and it was you know Kurbanaliev who was right there with Sidikov. That was a close match. The scoring and, and like some of the really critical scoring happened out of the frame of the camera and we don't you know it's hard to know how above board that all was. Probably probably Sidikov wins and you know we talk about how clutch he is internationally he's I think the same way domestically but um but you well, know go back to go back to him making the team the first time. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. He beats uh Sabalov who is a returning world silver on what I thought was, um, if not controversial, at least very like a bang bang call where they're mm-hmm. sliding out of bounds and he got the two. Yeah. And so you know if Sabalov, if they're six inches more out, or if Sabalov yeah. defends that in a different way, Sidikov doesn't even make the team. Yeah. But it, now, kind of in hindsight, that's what Sidikov does: is he he wins late. And mm-hmm. Sidikov didn't even wrestle at Euros, and this was kind of supposed to be a little conversation about Euros, but Chimizo and Gazi's yeah. points are very pertinent because, I mean, look, Jordan Burroughs is, you know, he's, right, Captain America. He's team, you know, the captain of Team USA. Well, and I think, yeah, sorry to interrupt. No, keep going, keep going. Uh, I was just was going to say, so that, that's why I kind of spent so much time on this because the the jockeying of who's going to be Russia's rep, where Chimizo's going to fall in the bracket – um, it's it's important to America. It's pertinent to America. That's what I was gonna say. I, mean, I think I think that one of the big storylines with any tournament where Russia sends a team is is which team do they send and why? Right. And and will that be the same team that they send to world or to the Olympics? And you know, and, and if so, what does that mean? So um, in this case, it will not be. It will not um, be. The the only starters they sent. So Sajdlaev is gonna be the guy tell you he's gonna be the guy i don't care about that stupid practice match that ivan freestyle posted where he got headlocked that's a practice match guys losing the room all the time um and then possibly knifing off who knifing off's up to the two seed now at 86 after winning um which i think is a good transition into the uh cliff keen wc guys yeah miles amin euro silver so that's now three medals for him at the last three European, um, you know, European Championships last year, European Games last year, and European Championships this year. He's got three medals. Yeah. And he's now the, I forget, he, he has the same amount of seeding points as Deepak Punia, um, but because of the tiebreakers, he is the four seed. So Miles means you're four seed right now in the Olympics. Now there's still another ranking series event to go, but yeah. that's yeah. what we're looking at. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Pat Downey is the five seed there, and I think probably don't think he's going to make the team, right? Probably feels like David Taylor now that Cox is up, going up at, to 97. Feels like mm-hmm. David Taylor, unless injury or unless somebody else makes a, a big jump, um, Zahid or Downey or somebody makes a big jump, it's probably David Taylor. Uh, but he's he doesn't have any seeding points right now. Right. And we're going to get to Jaden in a second because um, we also want to talk about Stefan Micic. So. Mitic loses to Atley um, first round, or maybe it was Atley's second match and Mitic's first, but Mitic comes back for bronze. Uh, Atley ends up getting silver to Tuskayev. I believe Tuskayev will be behind Aguev, uh for the Russian national spot, but Atley now only two points behind Aguev. Aguev has 60 points as your, as your reigning world champ. Atley with 58 and Mitic with 48. So Mitic solidly in third right now, uh, ahead of Ravi Kumar 
and uh, Nurslam Sanayev, who have 25 each, and they can't pass him because the most points you can score at Continental Championship is 22. Yeah. So as of now, Micic is very solidly in third, your three seed for the Olympics, which puts him at that um, in that third quadrant, at the top of the third quadrant. It, it'll look like a normal three seed in American folk style. If, if these seeds hold, um, Micic will, will see Atlee again. It seems like, you know, Atlee has been... They wrestled a few times, They wrestled yeah. a few times, and Atlee has had his number. It's kind of been his Achilles heel. Um, d- did you see anything in that match that makes you feel like, you know, Micic, Micic will get the win next time or that he can? Um, it's hard because... It, it, it's hard because I think both of them were relatively peaked... Not as peaked as they'll be for the Olympics, yeah. but um, basically, I, I think we saw two almost best case versions of them, and it went Atlee's way. So I, I think that's kind of how it's going to be. I, I, if Micic beats him in in Tokyo, it would be considered an upset. Yeah, um, that, I mean, I know we we talk about this all the time with uh, with the Cliff Keen Wrestling Club guys, but man, two more. Two more European medals coming back to Michigan. Uh, they just they continue to be incredibly impressive. They're they're consistent. They're not you know they're not flash in the pan kind of guys that maybe get a medal one time and then and then fade away. I mean like um, especially yeah. Amin and, and Micic, they are consistently top guys in the world now. And you know it's the the more data points we have that that show these guys having success the more the model that's happening at Michigan seems to you know be a viable option for guys well and it has to be realistic though too right like sure um I I think I think Michich is one we kind of expected could do this a little more because he wrestles a very European style he mm-hmm. was a junior world bronze um you know he he beat Dayton who you know Dayton could have knocked off Takahashi last year if that match had gone a little different so yeah. it was probably a little more expected with Michich um, also, he's really big for the weight. Whereas Amin, coming up, coming up in weight, yeah. had never done anything necessarily in America on on the age level. So a little more surprising that that Amin's doing this. And I think part of it, you know, maybe not having to cut weight, yeah. where he can really focus on technique and work with Bella Glazov and Bormet and Chirella yeah. and, and those guys up there. Um, you know, Nick Simmons also working with them. I, I think is a big help to him. And I think. You know, sometimes it's just uh, confidence. Yeah. Right. Just okay. I knock off. Uh, you know, who did he beat last year? Uh, maybe a, a Shabnov. I can't remember. He did. But, he beat Shabnoff. Right. Right. Yeah. So you get a win like that, and it's like, oh, okay. I'm world level two. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the 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 bronze at the European Games seemed like a big turning point for him. Um, the other thing too is that you know, part of me wonders. We've been saying, like, kind of, you know, internally around the office, like, 86 is just not quite as deep as some of the other weights in the world. I don't know. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's just the case that 86 in the U.S. is incredibly deep um, and, the, you know, the kind of guys that are here. But regardless, he is he is seeing guys domestically that are just as good, if not better, than the best guys he's going to see uh, around the world. So uh, that has to help. That that has to give him an advantage. You know, con- like, the guys that he's been trying to – to, to win titles against at the NCAA level or guys like Zahid, who appears like he could win a medal if he was the rep. Don't know that he will be. Um, you know, guys like Mark Hall, who's, who's uh, you know, multiple-time age-level champ. and, and um, Right. So. La- last time they were in a tournament, um, Amin <coughs> loses to Erden, who is very good, right, a silver medalist. Um, but Amin loses to Erden, and Zahid ends up going on to win that tournament. So, right, to, to your point, I, I think it is maybe a little bit a little bit more difficult for us in America to say that 86 
is good when knowing that we have four or five guys at home yeah. who could do very well and you know varying degrees but I you know I think if Zahid ended up being the guy he would do extremely well yeah. um, at the Olympics yeah do you want to get into Jaden Jaden so um, you know the, of course the news last week broke Jaden Cox was going to announce his Olympic weight class and then he announced it would be 97 kilos which sets uh, I mean man, it was a did you read those like choose your own adventure books when you were a kid? <laughs> yes. It's like you know which path we go. And um, go to page forty-two. Go to page twenty-seven. Yeah. That's the so I wrote up the release for for Jaden deciding his weight, and I had two versions uh, written. Right, like he's either gonna have this story where it's picking back up the rivalry with with David Taylor, and then he's gonna try to figure out how to go to the Olympics and beat Yazdani Chirati and whatever. That was version one of the story. Version two of the story is he's now going to try to pick up his rivalry from way back in cadets in Fargo with Kyle Snyder, Olympic gold medalist, two-time world champion, and then he's going to try to take out the pound-for-pound pound number one wrestler in the world, Sajulayev, and that's the adventure that Jaden has chosen for himself. Yeah. Um, and that's the story <laughs> we get to follow along with. His, his, his first tournament since announcing going up to 97 was in Cuba and, uh, you know, had a really tight match there in the finals or was it in the semis regardless he had a really tight match there with the Salas um yeah so you know Renera Salas Perez for those of you who maybe haven't been following internationals long Jaden had a extremely tight match with him in uh the Olympics where there were no takedowns it was one one on criteria so I think part of that is I mean number one Renera Salas Perez is world class right he's a like four-time world medalist I mean the guy the guy's incredible yeah and Although Snyder's undefeated against him, Snyder's had some tough matches with him where Salas was up big, and then Snyder kind of broke him at the end. Um, so I just think that matchup-wise, Jaden and Salas is always uh, going to be tight, just the way those two wrestle. And, sure. and, and the the way Salas is hard to take down, how strong he is. Like, one of the few guys who can maybe um, compete with Jaden athletically. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's always going to be a tight match, but Jaden's a winner, and he came out on top. But it's first time he's given up points since he wrestled Bo, which those were like um, uh, lost challenge and, you know, shot clock. Yeah. Salas also, um, you know, he seems to kind of a lot of times step up his game for high-level competitors, and then you'll see him drop yes. weird matches where you're like, yes. why did he lose that? Why didn't he do anything? Um, but, but yeah, he's, he's – uh, so, he, I mean, the, the, the best version of him is very, very good. He had, he had Kyle Snyder on the ropes – at um, beat, the I beat the streets a couple years ago so he's very very good if if you are i just you know as you're saying you know some people maybe aren't haven't been paying attention to international freestyle for a long time if you haven't been paying attention to international freestyle for a long time probably one of the <laughs> first moments when sadulayev really burst onto the scene was in the world finals 86 kilos in 2014 right yeah against against salas and uh sadulayev was was like you know tying up hard and i think maybe surprising Salas with how good that he was and Salas just like just stood up just stood straight upright and just smacked Sajulayev in the face and uh there's another know, theory on that too that theory? we don't we don't need to get into we don't need to get into it but uh go watch that it's it's a great little clip and um it's you know it's 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 worth seeing if you're not familiar so overall uh we did very well in Cuba which um I don't know Again, if you don't follow, like we should, but also Cuba is extremely tough, and it's it's drastically different conditions. Uh, 
so of course Jaden ends up winning, got the got the gold at 97 kills, beating uh, Rainier Salas Perez. Nathan Tomasello makes the finals, loses to Rainero Raineri Andre Ortega, who uh, Andre Ortega. So he, he has a win over Gilman. He's wrestled Dayton very close. He was a U23 world champ, and he was, I believe, fifth at 2018 Worlds, opposite side of Gilman. So this is a guy who, for three years now, has been pretty consistently right, not at the top, but near the top of the 57-kilo pecking order. Uh, at 70 kilos, Pantaleo wins uh, gold. Reese Humphrey got silver. I don't know if they actually, I don't think they actually wrestled because there's no score there. Um, but anyway, Reese, Reese Humphrey came back and was like, hey, I'm going to wrestle. I'm going to throw the shoes on. So Reese was, I believe, uh, it was Reese and KJ down there. So Reese was coaching and wrestling, and he said it was he said it was fun and hard. And But that's what Reese does, man, right? How about this? Reese Humphrey now, I mean, he's been retired, right? But, but two years in a row, he's just, like, picked up a competition within the last like, oh beach right I forgot he, beach wrestled, wrestling. Yeah, he wrestled he wrestled in a, in a beach wrestling tournament um not long ago and you know he he just he like what what other coaches could just do like, that at the last minute decide i'm gonna go enter this tournament and then do really well and look really good and be explosive and um yeah that's that's amazing oh, i'm sorry they did they did wrestle so i guess it was like a round robin carryover Pensilio beat Reese seven to seven two. two. They Sorry did wrestle. Um, no, so but but I mean that that's just amazing, right? That Reese Humphrey is in that kind of that kind of shape that he can just like dust off the shoes or no shoes in the case of beach wrestling, and uh, and just pick up a, a competition at the last minute. Um, man, good for him, and um, so that was really really good. Uh, kind of a surprising result, I I would say on my end was Branson Ashworth beating Tommy Gant. Yeah, I did not see that one coming. Yeah. Um, so Tommy goes 0 and 2 with the loss to to Ashworth, and on Gantry Garzone, who is um, immortal. He that guy's like 45 years old. I don't know. He's pretty old. Uh, and then <clears throat> Nazar gets bronze. He lost to Franklin Marion Castillo, who Castillo was a 65 for them for a while. So. Um, it's it, it, kind of interesting who's going to go between Castillo and Garzon. I think it'll be Garzon we see at the uh, Panem qualifier, but of course we're already qualified that weight. Uh, looking up at 86, uh, Brett Farr was bronze, and Jayden, we said Jaden was gold, and Yusuf Hamida was bronze. So. Um, circling back to Ashford just for a minute, I, I talked to him when I was in Wyoming last weekend. Um, got an interview with him talking about his preparation coming up to Cuba. So if you don't remember, at Branson Ashworth, he was a match away from All-American last year. No, not a ma- I think maybe he was two matches away. But he's been kind of writing that All-American conversation, now graduated from University of Wyoming. And he's training there at the Wyoming Wrestling Regional Training Center. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you what you might remember him for, and I forgot about this until halfway through the interview, he wrestled our guy Justin Hale, the yes. guy that we brought on to FRL to try to do the intervention to get him to not wrestle in senior nationals. Yes. He, Branson Ashworth was his draw in the first round of senior nationals, and, and Branson said he didn't know, he didn't have any idea who Justin Hale was. He, you know, hadn't paid attention. Like he, you know, he's got better things to do than you know, when, the day before senior nationals than than uh, probably focusing on FRL. Um, but he. But he, yeah, he, was, he said he had no idea who he was. He's just like, huh, I don't recognize his name. And then, uh, you know, he, he, he tuned up our guy a little bit. So yeah. that's okay. We won't uh, hold that against him. I uh, want to quickly say uh, Riley Briggs and Robbie Smith got bronze on the Greco side. at the. So the Cuba has two tournaments. The Grandma Cup is Greco, Sarah Pilato is freestyle. And uh, Robbie Smith, I need to get that interview up. I don't know that I have it up yet. But, man, he gave a super fired up interview um, when I was at Northwestern, and you know, it was it's it's very much it's very on um, on par for Robbie, where 
you can tell he so badly wants to be the Olympian, but he has to give everything he can to help Adam qualify the weight so that if, you know, if Robbie ends up beating him, he doesn't yeah. have to go to Bulgaria to, to try and qualify it. So. Now, hold up. Has he, has, he been, has he been planning to, to compete in the Olympic trials this whole time? Has he been? Does, Who? Did, Robbie? Robbie. Did Robbie yes. just kind of? I mean. So, Robbie has been injured for a while. Okay. So he's been hurt. So this has been going on for, with Robbie. Okay. Yes. It, you know, he's been so active on the coaching side of things that it kind of felt like that he is pivoting to, to coaching. But it's good to know that he's, he's just, just getting over an injury and he's get, getting right yeah. back at it, huh? He, okay. he, he is a little bit. Um, and, and I kind of asked him about that in the interview which, again, I need to put up. But I said, hey, I'm not telling you when to retire, but it's going to end eventually, whether it's this Olympic cycle or four Olympic cycles from now. Um, Did you 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 do what you did to Mark Hall and tell him to go right into coaching? (laughs) I did not. I did not because people yelled at me for that. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, Mark Hall said in in an interview with uh, GoPSU or whatever the Penn State sports site is that he's going to pursue a career in collegiate coaching immediately after – this year, so okay. um, I don't know. After, we'll talk about that after, after talking with Nomad, yeah, talked it through deciding. with me. Yeah, okay. But yeah, so Robbie will. Robbie's going to be around the sport, I think, until he can no longer be around the sport. Yeah, and that's going to be coaching. Um, you know, he he really seems to enjoy being up there with with Northwestern, working with the Wildcat WC, um, and, and helping out when when the college guys come to the RTC practice, and that guy. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, very loud. Um, when yeah. when when he's at dual meets, you can hear him at Welsh Ryan Arena. Um, basically, he said like, "I want if if there's a guy that's that I'm working with, there's a guy that's on my team. I want them to at least know that someone's in their corner." Yeah. Um, and if 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 I have to be that, if I'm the only one that's that, I want them to know that hey, Robbie Smith's in their corner. So that was a cool cool interview from Robbie, and I'll try to get that up today for you guys to watch. But anyway, just wanted to close out our our Cuba talk. Cool. Recognizing the Greco guys. Cool. Um, one other uh, little note on the senior freestyle side of things. Uh, we, you know, Bader did a great interview with Thomas Gilman. Oh my God, phenomenal. Oh, such a good interview last week. And I mean, he tells a story of going to Dagestan solo, right? Um, just, I mean, no, no luggage. That wasn't on purpose. Uh, but you know, great, great. <laughs> He's story. not that wild. But apparently, he left out one part of the story, uh, which it, he told a story of traveling up the mountains in Dagestan kind of for the purpose of trying to get a cell signal and he he left out one part of the story that he shared on twitter so go go to thomas gilman's twitter if you haven't seen it but apparently he uh he they, they took him up the which 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 family was it which russian uh, ramazanov the ramazanov brothers which is a, they're very good really good um it took him up to the to cell service so that they could use google translate to like t- you know kind of push him around and say like oh are you scared you're out here you know by yourself and where are you scared and Gilman said I came to Dagestan by myself I, I ain't scared of much like no luggage no phone like what do you what do you think I'm scared of, of? I'm not scared yeah and then they said they, they just they told him he's a gangster <laughs> and they kept calling him gangster the rest of the trip which that's like that's like the best that's the best compliment ever in Dagestan I mean that's that's high praise well yeah I, well we, and yeah we don't need to get into that too much but um that's hilarious, and Gilman tells it so well, man. That, that go check that interview out if you haven't, um, man. Thomas Gilman stuff is always uh, highly compelling, mm-hmm. and this is this is right up there with all the best of the Thomas Gilman content. Yeah, so a lot of uh, freestyle talk. Um, you know, last last week we started off with the the women's freestyle wrestle offs and, and kind of the landscape of women's college wrestling. Uh, so. We're, we're going to run the, the updated seeding points at some point today. I have that written out. Go go check that out. 
um, which again, the, the seeding points are not only for the Olympics, but are also for the continental qualifier. Uh, and then, yeah, please go check out the Carbon of short. Please go check out uh, Bader's interview with, with Thomas Gilman, um, all, all excellent stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, we're going to be doing, I'm going to be doing more Olympic trial seed stuff just as, as we continue to get closer to everything. And of course, uh, kind of set you guys up with the Pan Am Olympic qualifier. So anyway, good, good, uh, 30 minute, good 30 minute talk on freestyle starts off. And it's also just a couple weeks away from the postseason in NCAA wrestling. So I know uh, we're going to get into that during the regular FRL episodes this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But just a few quick takes um, to, to uh, kind of get our, our opinions in here after the weekend. Um, NC State had a wild duel with Virginia Tech, one of the best duel meets of the year. Kyle Brackey says it's the best duel meet of the year. He'll and have to defend that take tomorrow. He says you're dumb if you disagree. He says you're dumb if you disagree. Which – He's kind of right. The as a whole, like yes, okay, Penn State Iowa had more impact. There are more people watching. Mm-hmm. We get that. Mm-hmm. But the, the components of the duel, it was better. It was more entertaining. It was, it was more. It was, there was more stuff going on. It was good. Um, there, you know, there was plenty of wild stuff happening. Uh, you know, we can get into that. I'm sure we'll get into that duel later this week. But. The fallout from that is that, um, you know, they're the number two dual meet team in the country. I don't think there's much of a debate about that, right? And Hayden Hiley yeah, on Twitter. The, I want to pull the tweet up if I can. Tweet up. Hayden Hiley on Twitter says that uh, they deserve a shot at number one. Yeah, so so I said, I said, looks like NC State will finish the year number two in the dual rankings. And idiots were like, well, they're not going to win a team trophy, which, first of all, they might. So I'm gonna run that later this week. So let's not let's not count out NC State from from doing team trophy. Yes, Bray said he's doing a whole thing on uh, the three through four uh, spot and and how that's all changed throughout the year. Um, second of all, we're talking about duels. We're talking about the importance of duels. We're talking about these seven duels. Oh God, here's Sion. What's up, buddy? Sion, hey, um, Sion. Hey, Sion, come here for a minute. Sion was Sion uh, was in at Penn State for. Uh, for a big dual meet this weekend. Penn State, Ohio State. Any thoughts? Penn State, Ohio State. Any big thoughts? Well, one, anytime you get about almost 16,000 wrestling fans in one venue, that's always huge for wrestling. Yeah. Um, The atmosphere was too good match. You know, I was very excited to see 141. Give me that. Uh, Excited to see 149. Go ahead. Go ahead. Excited to see the 141-pound match, you know. Nick Lee, Pletcher, two good, great athletes. Uh, came down. I would say it came down to the wire, but I think the match was over at the end of the first period. You know, I saw uh, Pletcher put his hands on his hip. They had a high pace that first period. So, do you think? And we haven't got I think, into this I think his yet. lungs got into it. But do you think? Do you think that that series is now decided? It's always going to be Nick Lee. Nick Lee was better, and so it's always going to be Nick Lee. Or do you do you see Pletcher taking one of those matches at Big Tens or NCAA's? After watching the high pace, uh, Nick Lee is uh, – Pletcher is good in the first. Yeah. You know, second and top, top notch first. But unless he fixes his lungs, I don't see him able to keep up with that pace the whole – anytime soon. Okay. Okay. And I kind of called it. I said, you know, it's the high pace was one decide the match, and the high pace did decide the match. I kind of I kind of felt like, man, seeing the way that Pletcher was able to finish that first takedown um, – I, I feel like there's a path to victory for Pletcher there, well, too. He, he finished that first takedown pretty easy and then almost had another one. You know, I was like, oh, he's yeah. getting to them legs a little too easy. Yeah. But then after that, there was just no power. You also have to remember that it was uh, – again, we're getting this more on FRL, but um, Nick Lee's 
performances are markedly better in dual meets than they are in tournaments. He beat Joey McKenna in the dual meet, lost yeah. to him in the tournament. Um, his his worst win of the year in terms of, of lowest margin of victory up until this one was the finals of the Black Knight Invitational. Um, you know, he lost to Ryan Deal as, as a freshman, uh, the first round of NCAAs. He lost to Mikey Carr, Big Tens, both matches that you would say that he would be favored in. So historically, Nick Lee's best performances are in dual meets. So again, while Nick definitely clearly won the match, you know, had had Pletcher flat on his belly, got him extended on a shot, looked awesome. Um, I, I agree with Bray where uh, I don't know if I'm going to pick it going forward, but I do think there is a path to victory for Pletcher. And just to be clear, I don't think I'm going to. I mean, I'm going to have a hard time picking um, either. You know, either one of right. these guys necessarily moving forward. I think I probably will have to pick Nick Lee just because of seeing this result. But I don't think it'll be the same match. I don't think. I don't think Pletcher's going to be on his belly for you know, for that long. Like well, he was. Yeah, I, I think I think Nick Lee becomes the the clear favorite yeah. going forward. But I don't think you can discount Pletcher entirely there. Just like with just like with Mark Hall Kemmerer, you know, uh, yeah, Kemmerer won that match. But I don't think there's any reason that you could you could count out Mark Hall. Yeah. In, in that rematch. It's Mark Hall. Nobody yeah. ever yeah. counts on Mark Hall. Hey, you. What do you think of Gas Tank Gary? I mean, you're 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 a Penn, you, we don't want to say you're Penn State Homer, but you're you're boys with Kale. You're running Wisconsin. You're boys with a lot of people. You're, you're boys with with your Iowa State guys, right? Yes. And Kale is one of them. Um, but did Gas Tank Gary win you over? I mean, that guy, that, well, that guy. You know, Gas Tank Gary did did uh, go out there. You know, he was obviously uh, Neville's was more talented. Yeah. Gas Tank Gary, you know, Neville's um, kind of. Laid down at the end there, you know he he had the match won. Yeah. And then he, it's one of those things where. And the duel was decided. Yeah. Duel was if, decided. If somebody but still, you got to go out there and win those matches. What you, you pushed them around the whole six and a half, six minutes and forty seconds. Would close you, out the match. Would you wear a Gas Tank Gary shirt and support a Gas Tank Gary? That's what I want to know. No. No. I don't know Gaston Gary. Sorry, Gaston Gary. I don't know you. Don't you know enough seeing him pick Nick Neville's up like that or Seth Neville's up like that and finish the takedown? Still, yeah. I don't know Gaston. I have no connections to Gaston Gary. Sorry, no. Gaston Gary. Not yet. Not yet. All right. All right, people. Thank you, man. See you on. So, yes, we're, we're going to get into that a little more um, on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday FRL, but let's get into this NC State thing. So, uh, Hayden Hydley said, he quote tweets me says, I believe there has to be a way to form a dual national championship. Our resume is good enough to square off against the Big Ten's best. We've been an incredible dual team the past five years and should be able to put it on the line. What's the harm in finding out where we stand? And, of course, when they did the bowl championship thing a few years ago, um, you know, NC State had a case to be, you know, when it was Penn State, Oklahoma yeah. State, they had a case to, to be there. They, they beat Oklahoma State. They beat Iowa. Yeah. Um, so... That's that's something that Pat Papalizio has done an incredible job of, making, just making them a good dual team. And then uh, Pat Pop also had a number of, of tweets talking about this. Um, look, you don't need you don't need anything for me to fan the flame of dual national cha- championship. I think it would be good for the sport. Yeah. I think it would create excitement. I think it would increase the value. The um, what's what's the term Spay uses? Uh, valuable properties to yeah, to, sure. to sell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every dual meet right now every high profile dual meet right now is a valuable property right i mean you saw that you saw that at at reynolds um the last two the last two events that nc state has had right the and those are just Packed. in conference duels i mean beautiful that, arena yeah it looks great um they're getting you know four thousand people in there and and that is like that's huge and i, I mean i think the question of would 
would NC State hang in a dual meet with number one Iowa is a very different question than should they have the opportunity to do that. And for me, I mean, the— No team is hung in a dual meet with Iowa. No team is hung in a dual meet with Iowa. Well, Penn State was right. I mean, they hung in there, but that, that was as close as, as anyone's come. Um, so, I, you know, I think uh, that's— that's where people's minds are naturally going to go is they're going to say, well, NC State, yeah, sure, maybe they're number two because of how their schedule played out, but could they really hang with, with Iowa? Could they hang with Penn State? Could they hang with whoever? That's not the, the point, really. That, I mean, that's an interesting conversation, too. But, but yeah, that's like, that's like any sport, right? It's like if two teams make the Super Bowl and one's a heavy favorite, like, well, you know, can they hang with them? It's like they're both in the Super Bowl. That's, yeah, not, that's yeah. not the point. We're going to find that out. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the, you know, the thing that's frustrating here is we don't get to see it. And, um, you know, for me, I like the, the question of – uh, of dual meet national championship or, or keeping things the way they are, I don't know. I, I don't know if we're if we're you know at a place where we're going to snap our fingers and change the entire structure. But but we should have you know the ability to see that dual meet happen, right? Yeah. Like and, even, and whether we call it a, ch- a championship or whether we call it something else, like it would be great if we could just uh, you know get the, get these two teams together somehow. And that doesn't seem like it should be impossible. I think I, I think I, I I hate the split season idea. Um, personally, I don't like it. I'm not saying it's the wrong idea, but I, I think it I think it would be terrible. What I would like is so right now it's 17 competition dates, and what I would like to see is maybe you cut down the number of duels to say 12. Okay. You get an open in, you get your your scuffle midlands um, CKLV in. And then you have a little more time between the end of the regular season, then then the the dual meet nationals, yeah. then your conference weekend, then NCAA's. So yeah. you could you could shorten the season a little bit. You could give guys a, a fewer matches because that's certainly a, that's certainly a concern, right? Like you know Iowa, their state, their individual states this week, they do team states right before then. Yeah, you know Pennsylvania does it where they have team state. And then they go through their whole individual postseason. So in college, you like there there has to be a way to kind of break it up. But again, having a dual meet national title determine the team title, in my opinion, clearly the way to go. Yeah. And it should be. It, 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 I wish it could happen this year between NC State and Iowa. And yes, of course, we'd all pick Iowa to win. But I believe the match should happen. NC yeah. State's resume: they've beaten they beaten North Carolina, they beaten Virginia Tech. Um, who else? They beat. Princeton, like they, they, they have, I, I ran through it last week, but they have four wins in the top 15 and then mm-hmm. another top 20 win with Cornell. Yeah. Yeah, they look good. Their resume is excellent. They look good. Would love to see them wrestle Iowa. We're not going to see it. Uh, would love to see them wrestle a lot of these Big Ten teams. We're not going to see it. Uh, but that's that's okay. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not really okay, but that's, that's, that's what we have to deal with right now. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I don't know where they would stack up with, uh, with the Big Ten schedule. I think that's a really interesting question. Um, well, here's the other thing too, right? It's like, th- then that changes everything because part of the draw of wrestling in the Big Ten is that you wrestle a Big Ten schedule, and so if NC State now, and yeah. this is this is not me hating on the ACC, this is this is just me talking about the Big Ten right now. If NC State was in the Big Ten, then they could make that same recruiting pitch, and then maybe they would do even better recruiting wise and get even more regularly, you know, have 4,500 people in Reynolds Coliseum. Yeah. So yeah. like. All that stuff changes when you say, "Well, how would they do with the Big Ten schedule?" Well, sure. how would how would the other teams do with the ACC schedule? Because Ohio State lost Virginia Tech. Yeah, it's great. That's a good point. Okay, 
I'm sure gonna, we're going to get into the more, yeah. that more this week. Uh, but, okay, quick takes on just a few things. Okay, Iowa rolled Minnesota. Any takeaways? Uh, man, it was just very impressive, right? So Lugo is going to lock up the, the two seed mm-hmm. uh, behind Sammy Sasso with his winner, Brayden Lee. Max Murin beats Mitch McKee, which that reverses. Number one, Max Murin's back, so that's good. Uh, number two, that reverses two losses from last year to Mitch yeah. McKee. Yeah. And so I, when I did my 141 projected seeding, I just kind of said, okay, this is what happened last year. I'm just going to go with that because I don't want to think about all these other things. Um, but I'll come up with, with uh, updated ones later to answer um, our friend Corey from Wisconsin. Yeah. Yes, I will continue to be doing Big Ten seeding articles throughout this week. So, dude, yeah, th- th- that was crazy, right? I mean, the Iowa-Minnesota match, it didn't feel like there was a duel where uh, Minnesota had any real chance of threatening Iowa in the team score. And so it felt to me like one of those duels where, you know, if Iowa wasn't all the way prepped for the match or if they weren't prioritizing that, training through it or whatever, you could see maybe a couple of these ranked matches go the way of, of Minnesota. And... Man, especially at 41 and 49, Iowa held serve and and looked really good. And we've been talking all year, like, can Penn State close the distance? Is Iowa going to regress? Is there, you know, is there something that's going to happen that's going to make this team race a little bit closer? Those two wins in particular were really huge, especially Murin, right? Like, I'm like wondering, was is are we going to see Murin again before the Big Tens? He runs out no shoulder brace. Yeah. He's had the shoulder brace all year. Yeah, even before like he was missing time. Well, yeah, I guess he missed yeah. the first match, Midlands, but even before he was missing he had, time, yeah. He had, yeah, I mean, he's shoulder brace, shoulder brace all year. He comes out against Mitch McKee, who you know has looked great this who, year. Who's, yeah, who, and who is outside great. of Pletcher matches and and Nick Lee looked yes. awesome. And and uh, you know he comes out there, no shoulder brace against McKee and and beat him. Took him down twice. I mean, it looked great, right? Um, so yeah, that was so huge. I, I would say that is my big takeaway: is that. When you look at Iowa, uh, Minnesota, and when you look at Penn State, Ohio State, this just looks like Iowa's year, man. This just looks like Iowa's year. I've been saying for a while that I was higher on Lugo. I was higher on Lugo this year as compared to to everybody else. I think there's I think there's less variance than than people think. Um, Urine beating again, beating the key was huge. Cassiope, we can talk about that a little bit, holding it to a yeah. decision against Gable, which that score probably was misleading in terms of how Gable looked in the match. Yeah. But, you know, Seth Nevels loses to, to Gas Tank Gary. Like, it just it just seems like it's going to be very hard yeah. for, for Penn State to make up the points, especially when you go, look, our, you know, because Penn State's fans, oh, we're going to get four champs. Well, RBY could not win. Um, Marinelli's two and one against Chenzo. Kemmerer beat Hall last time they wrestled. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, I'm, I'm not going to count out Luke Pletcher in that yeah. match. Yeah. So they could just as easily have zero national champs. So that'll be, yeah, that'll be interesting. But yeah, I mean, that, the takeaway for me in that duel, same as you, Iowa is, is the team this year. It really feels like that. Um, talked about this. Gable took out Cassiope. It was a close match. Right, I mean, um, score-wise, mm-hmm. maybe not that close action-wise. Any any takeaways? And the, I mean, the big question now is, Mace, is Mason Paris going to beat Gable Stevenson? Yeah. So, th- okay, there's a couple things with this. Um, th- number one, like, look, David Taylor beat up on people that sometimes Kyle Dake would decision. Okay. Like, so we know that at the highest levels. Margin of victory can be misleading, and it's not to discount it. I mean, I look at mar- margin of victory for hot rankings and all, si- and all sorts of things, right? Yeah. I, do, I do think it's valuable, but it can be misleading. 
Um, and I think it's kind of the, the case here where Paris is on another level this year from where he was last year, but I still think he's number two um, behind Gable. I think that's how the Seas are going to play it. I think that's how the, the Big Ten tournament will play out. And it's probably how the national tournament is going to play out. Yeah. I, I, I'm really interested in that match. I do think that that is a much more interesting match to me than I ever thought it would be. And, um, man, just seeing Mason Paris's progression this year in the NCAA season convinces me that he's he can be right there with Gable. But the thing, more than anything else, is is that dominant win he has over Zare at the World Championships. Yep. Like, that is the match that, for me, I cannot – I can't get that out of my head. And then seeing Zare go on to beat Makov and seeing Zare go on to beat Petriashvili. I mean, Zare like... Zare beat Kirkley. Killed Kirkley. Yeah. Like, wasn't close. So, for me, I feel like that is that is the result that I keep pointing to. I, I don't care so much about margin of victory against, against Cassiope. I, I, ju- I feel like Mason Paris is right there with Gable Steveson. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say that's, that's the main thing because, look, last year... And I have no apologies for this. I said it. I think maybe CP said we were talking about Gable as a four-time national champ. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty much team captain of no one comes into college good enough to win a national title the first day they step on campus. Mm-hmm. I don't think Mark Hall was good enough the day he stepped on campus. I think he got better throughout the year. I don't think Kyle Dake was good enough the day he stepped on campus. I think he got better throughout the year. On and on down the line, Jaden Cox, take your pick of true freshman national champions. Gable was one of the few guys, especially with the composition of that weight last year, before we knew Kassar was what he is, yeah. where we're like, this is realistic and probably, honestly, should be the favorite. Um, but, yeah, I guess my main takeaway from, from all of this is college wrestling is always extremely, extremely difficult, and there will be guys who um, excel or grow in ways that we didn't envision, and so then we get things like, Kassar beating Gable. Then we get things like Paris Gable now being a real conversation as opposed to Red being like, well, you know, it's going to be Gable. It's going to be great. I, I can't wait for that. Um, we talked about Nick Lee and Zane. Get into more of that later this week. Seabass uh, is back. Yeah, baby. We didn't know if he would be back. And, you know, going into the weekend, you you wrote up the, the seating article for 133, and it, it you know, the, and the idea was, like, if Seabass if wrestles both these matches on Friday and Sunday, probably the best he'll do is a six seed. If he doesn't wrestle on Friday, only wrestles on Sunday, maybe 11 seed. Um, and that's what happened. I was getting DMs from, from wrestling fans and, and people were, you know, I think in our mentions saying, are they going to, is Northwestern going to try to get a medical year for, for Seabass? Like, is this, are we never going to see him this year? They're going to go medical and then he'll, he'll try to focus on maybe Pan Ams and the Olympic thing. Um, and that's not the case at all, right? The like plan was always for him to come back. He's back. He had an injury where the diagnosis is rest. Yeah. Like, those are the worst – not the worst, obviously. Like, they're worse. But those are the worst injuries in the sense of you can't do anything. And like, your, your, your diagnosis is, hey, you, you, have to stay off your, you have to stay off your feet. You can't, you can't wrestle. You can't, you can't run. And I think that's why he looked a little – you know, everybody's saying thick bass, right? He, lo- he looked a little – his body composition looked a little different. It's hard to make um, weight when you're not allowed to run, right? Right. Yeah. Um, my, my main takeaway is Seabass isn't scared of Gross. He isn't scared of Santo. He isn't scared of RBY. No. Alvarez, Lovett, any of those guys. He just was following doctor's orders. Um, and the other thing with Seabass is, look, he's an MMA guy, right? Like, he has made no bones about the fact that he is going to go into MMA. Mm-hmm. And so five-week fight camp, which is what we're at, for him to go to NCAAs, that's what, you know, five, six-week fight camp, that's what MMA guys do. Yeah. Um, so 
I don't have very many concerns other than the fact that RBY DeSanto and Seth Gross are are amazing, you know. Yeah. So if if I was a Northwestern fan, um, just the fact that Seabass is back should be enough for you to say like, hey, this guy's going to be in the mix to be an All-American and potentially a national title contender. And the idea of him taking a medical to then wrestle at Pan Ams, I, I you know, I know the NCAA is giving those medical years out like candy these days, but. I think it would be hard to justify a medical when you you would he would have to literally wrestle like the week either the week of conferences or the week between conferences and NCAA's. Yeah. Uh, it'd be hard to say that you're not you healthy, know healthy yeah. enough to wrestle if you're actually wrestling in a different event. So um, I do think the medical uh, you know while I understand where people were coming from with that it would have been hard to justify. So um, he's back. Glad he's back. Uh, no idea what to do with the seeds. No. Yeah. I, I made the kid look. People get really mad at me when I if say, they follow the criteria. He's the eleven. People get really mad at me when I say like. I follow, like, to me, the way college sports works is your conference record determines your seed at the conference tournament. Yeah. That's that's just how it works in every sport. Um, I understand this is an extenuating circumstance. Right now he's 1-2 and two in the Big Ten. So, logically, you know, he's going to be in 11 through 13. Well, I guess, uh, uh, you know, like, looking at the resume, he's 11 through 13, but there is a very strong case to go. Common sense, make him, like, a 4 or 5. I think that we'll probably see the common sense. The interesting thing here is if they if they do give him the 11, the way that you have the seeds right now, um, Alvarez would become the six. And so, you know, that 11-6 match, th- that's Him whoever being, wins that match becomes essentially the sixth seed there, right? So, and, and that's why I wasn't too concerned with saying, like, he should be the 11 because 11 – the, the way the way seeds add up, eleven is the same as three. Right. And if he's the three, if he wrestles the whole season and he's the three, you know, not a lot of people are surprised or terribly concerned. He just would have to wrestle Alvarez a match earlier, which is obviously tough for Alvarez. But you know, look, it's in Alvarez's home gym. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna get they're gonna get probably six or seven allocation spots. So he'll have you know, if, if Alvarez were to lose that match or Seabass were to lose that match, they still have the opportunity to wrestle back. Yeah. This isn't a this isn't a you know a, one of the smaller conferences where you have to make the finals. So go yeah. ahead and make him the eleven. Like I really don't think I really don't think it's that gonna be that big of a deal. Yeah. We'll see what they do there. Um, just a couple of final notes. We're coming up running out of time. Uh, man, Iowa State Northern Iowa duel was outstanding. If you are looking for a full duel meet to watch, to go back and rewatch Pick that one. Um, J.D. Raider, my man got some great content. Oh, yeah. He got some – yeah, he did. Good behind-the-scenes really, stuff. He got some great – yeah, in the locker room stuff, good good interviews too. Um, go 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 check out J.D. Raider's stuff and, and watch that full duel meet. Um, every every week, you know, write up the upsets article. We'll be doing that later today. And top ten upsets this week, total across the country, there were, I think, seven top ten upsets. Three of them happened in that duel meet. That Iowa, uh, Iowa State Northern Iowa duel. You so, want to run through the results real quick, just so everybody knows. Yeah. Give everybody their due. So at 125, um, Jacob Schwarm pinned Alex Mackle in the opening match of the duel, which classic Schwarm match. Yeah, I mean, if the, the duel felt like, um, you know, on paper it was going to be Iowa State, right? But Schwarm changed everything right off the bat. Uh, that really screws up. Well, it could potentially screw up NCAA seeding mm-hmm. um, because Mackle was clearly a top ten guy, maybe even like a seeded to be All American guy, nope. and now yeah. Schwarm jumping in, and that's going to impact Big Twelve seeding. And they could see each other at Big Twelves again. We'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, feels like maybe a two and three, although I have to look at it. Uh, Todd Small won at at uh, thirty three. Ian Parker 
one at 41 that tied up the duel and then 49 we had we had another you know this is an upset top 10 upset but it's really an upset on paper only because max thompson now is five and zero against Jarrett Dagan, 6-0 if you count an injury default, which we don't. Um, so 5-0 over over Dagan. So that was an upset. Put Northern Iowa back in the lead. Peyton Moore got a win over Grant Stotts, which, you know, we didn't see David Carr. Yeah, um, so, so, so that obviously could have hurt Iowa State um, when no David Carr. 57-65 become swing matches, mm-hmm. and they split there with – Peyton Moore being Grant Stotts and Chase Straw being Austin Yan. Yeah. Then 74, another big upset. This is where they won it. This is this is where they won it. Well, this in heavyweight, right? Like this this match, um, Colbray over Steyert was a match I don't think anybody saw coming. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe we should have been a little more woke to this. Colbray has been ranked as high as fifth when he was up at 184. Sure. Which, uh, you know, I don't know, probably just as tough a weight. I don't know. Col- I don't know. Colbray was, Colbray was a better recruit coming out of high school. Like, yeah. Th- th- there's yeah. evidence that we maybe should have seen it coming. But – I mean, I didn't. I didn't see it coming. I definitely didn't see it coming. And uh, Colbray wins that match, seven to six. Lujan over Coleman at, at uh, seven, or at eighty-four, and then Joel Shapiro beats Patton at ninety-seven, which set up uh, a heavyweight match to decide it. To decide the duel, and Gannon Grimmel and Carter Isley had wrestled five times before this. Grimmel had won three of them. Isley had won two. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they had this this rivalry, and um, it was it was G Grimm in the home gym gets the. Win. Gets the win, raises the roof. You know, people were uh, people were fired up, and it, you know, it was, a, it was a super wild match. Go back, watch the duel. A lot of drama, uh, and, and it was it was a really fun one. So you mentioned uh, to close this out again. You're doing the, the upsets article, one ninety seven, persistently a mess. Yeah. Nine, ten, eleven, and thirteen uh, took upsets. So that's Lucas Davison, Ethan Laird, Dakota Gear, and. Uh, yeah, Nathan Traxler all lose at 197. Yeah. So, Godspeed to our dear friend Andrew Spay in doing the 197 rankings as well as anyone who wants to do the seeding. Um, to kind of set you guys up for the week, uh, CP is going to be going to be out this week. Um, so, myself and Bray and Bader. Well, I don't know about Bader actually because he's in Stillwater. But myself and Bray will be uh, taking over some of the duties on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday FRL with our man uh, Ben Askren and Kyle Bracky. I'll be doing. Um, I'll be going to National Preps this weekend, so I'll be getting a preview for that along with my, my man uh, Big John Foster. Uh, Big Ten seeding articles continuing to come out, which I'm going to have to redo the ones I did last week, so I'll do like a master article at the end. Um, new Hodge rankings as well. And, uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's it for me. Bray, what, what do you got on tap for this week? So, man, I'm really looking to the postseason. This this trophy race is really insane kind of know i work on this article for like a week and a half um it's not one article it's gonna be a series so for each for each of the teams we got you know eight to eight to ten teams that are in striking distance of those third and fourth place trophies and so i'm um, gonna have a series of articles coming out this week and next week this week with teams who who uh whose seasons are either finished or mostly finished so this week you'll um see about nc state uh penn state uh ohio state and one other one other team, um, but kind of look at, at what's their best case and worst case scenario based on kind of the season long trajectory of rankings and what's it going to take to win a trophy. So, um, going to try to break that down and predict what we could potentially see for those last two trophy spots in uh, in March. Make sure you're checking out Flow TV today. It's uh, kind of the weekend rewind, bunch of bunch of duels um, again. When Iowa State versus UNI is on, please watch it or go back and watch the, the archive. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow for the Tuesday FRL, same normal time, 815 Central. Uh, Bray, I I think that's it, man. Good show today, buddy. That's it. We'll see you guys.